Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Proverbs chapter number 3. We're going to read verse number 7 and then we're going to read Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 7 in the New Living Translation. It says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse number 16, it says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Don't you love the word? Well, I want you to notice these three phrases. Proverbs 3 and 7 says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Romans 12 and 16 says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. It also says, don't think you know it all. Turn to your, no, don't. (laughs) Father, we thank you for the word of God today. It indeed is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, we just pray today that your anointing will rest heavily upon the message and upon the messenger. Lord, give us ears upon our heart today. God, let us hear what you would have for us to hear today. Father, may we not just listen and hear today, not just go away and say, well, that was pretty good. But God, may we take what we have heard today and may we make application. May we do and be a doer of the Word of God and not merely a hearer. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. The title of my message this morning is, Why Smart People Do Dumb Things. Have you ever had a moment of stupid? Don't look at your wife right now. Don't look at your husband right now. Let me ask you this morning, is there a moment in your past that that you wish you could change? Don't you wish that we were given two or three do-overs that we could use when we needed them? Here's what I've come to know. Smart people do some pretty dumb things. And this morning, I want to give you five things that smart people do from time to time. Sometimes they, they, they do, even though they are incredibly intelligent, even though they, they are very, very smart, but sometimes smart people do some pretty dumb things. The first thing I'd talk, like to talk about this morning in smart people do dumb things when they develop an attitude of superiority. Would you agree? Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18 in the Message Bible, it says, First pride, then the crash. And the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Wow. Smart people do dumb things when they develop an attitude of superiority. 
they take 100% of the credit for every success. They act like the job just cannot get done without them. Several years ago now, there was a televangelist, not going to mention the name. But this televangelist became very, very popular. Perhaps he was, he was the most well-known televangelist of the day. And I, this is not hearsay. I, I've heard him with my own ears. Often he would say, I'm the only preacher in the entire world that has the potential to reach the world with the gospel. I've heard him say, if I don't do it, it won't get done. I've heard him say, you must support me because because I'm the only preacher alive that can get this job done. What happened? He developed an attitude of superiority. Today, his ministry is just a tiny fraction of what it one time was. fact of the matter is, he's known more today for his disgrace. He's known more today for his confession of a moral failure than for any other thing. Proverbs 11 and 2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame. Smart people do dumb things when they develop an attitude of superiority. Read your Bible over and over and over and over. Good men arise and they become great men for a while. But pride raises its ugly head. An attitude of superiority develops. Oh, oh, these men begin to think that the rules no longer apply to them. Oh, somehow they believe that they have become somebody special. Oh, they begin to think that they can live above the law. They start thinking they, they deserve special privileges. They begin to take advantage of their position. Oh, they begin to believe that they are invincible and that they are irreplaceable. Oh, oh, I suggest to you that what helped to get them to where they are no longer exists in their life. They totally forget about all the people that helped them along the way. I love the story of of the old farmer who noticed a a turtle sitting on top of one of his fence posts. And the farmer said to the turtle, it's quite obvious to me you didn't get up here all by yourself. You see, none of us have gotten to where we are all by ourselves. Now hear me this morning, you, you, you may be very, very intelligent. You, you might be a very smart person. Your IQ might, might be at record levels, but hear me this morning, no matter how smart you, you, you may be, developing an attitude of superiority is a very dumb Matthew 23 and 12, Jesus said, those who exalt themselves are going to be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
The title of my message today is Why Smart People Do Dumb Things. Notice the second thing that smart people sometimes do that is incredibly, incredibly dumb. And that is when they disrespect people in authority. Smart people do dumb things when they disrespect people in authority. And see, the fact of the matter is man has a natural tendency to rebel against authority. It started way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve didn't like being told what they could and could not do. It's amazing to watch little children because little children quickly develop this tendency and they start to fuss and they start to argue and they start to disagree with their parents, with their, their teachers, with their babysitters, with whoever is in authority or an authoritative role over them. They, even the smallest toddler, doesn't like to be told what they can and cannot do. There's such a rebellion towards authority today. Everybody seems to want to do their own thing. Everybody seems to want to make up their own A policeman stopped a man for running a stop sign. The man said to the cop, said, I slowed down. And I looked both direction and slowing down is the same as stopping. No, it's not, said the policeman. Yes, it is, said the man. No, it's not, said the policeman. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And so the cop pulled out his nightstick and started beating the man over the head with his nightstick. And he said, now, sir, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stop or do you just want me to slow down? (laughs) Smart people do dumb things when they disregard people in authority. See, here's what we need to understand this morning, and that is that God established authority. God did that. It's God's idea. It's God's design. And what we also need to understand is that God did it for our benefit. Because without authority, it would be absolute, total chaos. Romans chapter 13, verse 6 and 7 says, pay your taxes. Where'd that come from? The Bible. Paul said in Romans 13 and 6, he said, pay your taxes, for government workers need to be paid. They. Say they. Who's he talking about? Government workers. Who's he talking about? People in authority. He says they are serving God. They're serving who? They are serving God in what they do. According to the Apostle Paul, amen, when the policeman pulls you over for speeding, he's serving God. I'm getting it right from the book. Pay your taxes because government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Black and white. Plain. Throughout the Word of God, God teaches us to respect authority. Whether that 
be authority in the home, whether that be authority in government, maybe that is the authority in the church. And yes, God even ordained authority in the church. And he instructs us to recognize that authority and respect that authority and honor that authority and submit to that authority. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 says, Younger men must accept the authority of the elders. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Obey those, and it's talking about ministry here, and he says, Obey those who rule over you. Who what? Nobody rules over me. Well, not what the Bible says. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Be what? Be submissive, for they watch out for your soul as those who must give account. Now, to some extent, I give account to you because whether you like me or don't like me, like what I'm presenting or don't like that, has a lot to do with whether you come or go, whether you stay or leave. But the bottom line is this morning, I really, I'm really uh, not trying to please you this morning. And I really don't have to give an account to you this morning. I have someone much greater to give an account to, and his name is Jesus. And although I would love for everybody to love me, and I would love for everybody to like me, and I would love for everybody to agree with me, truth of the matter is sometimes somebody's not going to like me. Sometimes there are going to be people that are not going to love me. Sometimes people are going to disagree with me. So all I can do is preach to the best of my ability what the Word of God says, not pick and choose the ooey-gooey, sweet, nice, uh, uh, all palatable kinds of things, but preaching the whole counsel of God. Because one day I'm going to stand before God and I am going to give an account to God of whether or not I presented the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so I cannot become politically correct. Amen. I cannot tiptoe through the tulips. I can't dance around a bunch of issues. Amen. I've got to tell you what the truth of the word of the Lord says because someday I'm going to be held accountable for whether or not I told you the truth. Whether you like me or not, whether you love me or not, whether you stay or leave, whether you come or go, that's up to you. But you're going to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Obey obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Why? Because they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. And the writer of Hebrews says, let them do so with joy. See, I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to pastor you. I'm going to minister to you because that's what God has called me to do. And the writer of Hebrews understood that, but he said, wouldn't it be nice if the pastor, wouldn't it be nice if the preacher could do it with joy, if he could be happy in doing it? Obey those who rule over you, be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. For you. See, people in authority over you have been placed there by God. He has placed them in your life as a measure to protect you. And smart people do dumb things when they disregard people in authority. You say, well, Pastor, that policeman is a jerk. He's a know-it-all. He, you know, he treated me bad. What am I to do about that? You're to honor him. 
But I don't have any respect. You know, I don't have any respect for my husband. What should I do? Honor him. See, when you cannot respect and you cannot honor the person, then you honor and you respect the position they hold. Amen? Amen. Let me say this this morning. Everyone should be accountable to someone. Everyone should be accountable to someone. Everyone should have somebody that has the authority to tell them no. Everybody. Pastor, do you? I sure do. Sure do. Got a presbyter over me. He can pull my chain. Got a district superintendent over me. He can pull my chain. Not only can he pull my chain, he can pull my license. Amen. My ordination. Got a general superintendent over me. Amen? I'm the overseer of this house. That's what the Bible says. I'm not arrogant. That's what the Bible says. It says I'm the overseer of this house. But I'll tell you something. There's some people overseeing me. And there's ways and means and methods of getting rid of me. Amen? If I do something unethical... Or immoral. Hello? Everybody ought to have somebody that they answer to. Everybody ought to have somebody that can tell them no. You see, people without boundaries and people without limits and people without accountability, they are very dangerous people. Authority and accountability are ordained of God. They are they are put there for our own protection and for the protection of others. Number three this morning, smart people do dumb things when they make decisions too quickly. When they make decisions too quickly. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Here's what I've discovered, and that is that most bad decisions are made in haste. Doing a little treaching this morning, all right? It's okay? Most bad decisions are made in haste. They're made on the spur of the moment. They're, they're made out of pure emotion. They're made out of selfishness. See, now I forget a lot of things these days, okay, but, but I can't think of any decision I ever made after much prayer, seeking wise counsel, and time spent processing. I cannot think of any decision I ever made, major decision I ever made when I did those things that I regret. Now, the decisions that I do regret, and there are some decisions that I do regret, the decisions that I do regret are those I made in haste. They're those that I made out of pure emotion. There are those that I made on the spot. Oh, they were the decisions that I made with, with, you know, you must make a decision right now, pressure. 
Write this down this morning. The harder the decision, the more time you should take to make it. The harder the decision, the more time you should take to make it. It is my policy. I haven't batted 1,000, but I probably batted 900. I never make a major purchase the same day that I find it. My one exception that I made to this rule that I know of, I absolutely regret. Regretted it hour after I made it, and I've, made, I've regretted it every day since. So I never make a major purchase the same day that I find it. I wait. I wait. Why do you wait? I allow the new car smell to get out of my nostrils. Hardly anything smells better than a brand new car. So, I don't buy it that day. I wait till all the new car smell gets out of my nose. I wait. I wait until my emotions settle down. And when the salesman tells me, you better buy today, it might not be here tomorrow. I say to myself, self, If God really wants me to have it, it'll be there tomorrow. Something else I've learned is it may not be there, but something better will. And perhaps the best thing for me is if it's not there tomorrow. Do you know that I've never regretted anything I didn't buy? I've never regretted anything I didn't buy. There are a few things I have bought that I regret. You see, just because something looks right for me, that doesn't mean it is. Just because something feels right for me, that doesn't mean it is. Hey, just because somebody offers me more money or a more prestigious position or better working conditions, that and that alone does not mean that I should automatically decide to take it. I better do my due diligence. I better pray and ask God about it. God, do you want me to have this? God, is this right for me? God, do you want me to do this? God, do you want me to go there? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to be involved with this? It may sound incredible. Oh, it may feel really, really good. That might just be your ego. Better not do it until you do your due diligence. You better pray and ask God about it. Oh, I better investigate the history of the people I'm thinking about joining up with. I better find out a little bit about them or a whole lot about them. Not just today, not just what they tell me. See, anybody can look good on a resume. And anybody's got two or three good friends that'll lie for them. 
I better do my due diligence. I, I better investigate the history of this company or this people or whatever that it is. Oh, oh, I better seek good, wise, godly, quality counsel. And I better ask myself questions like, like, like how is this going to affect my family? If I do this, how is this going to affect my family? Because it doesn't just affect me, it affects my whole whole family. And so how is this going to affect my family? I'll tell you, as a pastor, a time or two, I wish I'd asked that question. See, everybody's got questions they're going to ask God when they get to heaven, right? I got one, and I'm going to ask you, God, where did you take me to and where did I go on my own? Because I've been too many places because, you know, God's not schizophrenic. <laughs> and the first ten, minute, year, first 10 years of my ministry, I looked schizophrenic. I was here, there, and everywhere. I just spread that love. The good thing is God will never leave us and he'll he'll never forsake us. And even, oh, here's what I love about God. Even when I mess up and I go somewhere I'm not supposed to go, he doesn't throw me under the bus. What he does to me, he pulls me out from under the bus, but he lets me lay there for a while. Lets me think about it a little bit. Then he gets me up. Then he brushes me off. Then he pats me on the behind and gets me going the right direction again. You know, I think a lot of it just, I was just so young and dumb. I mean, you know, when you start out married at 17 and start full-time ministry at 17, come on. Wisdom doesn't just ooze out of you, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, God, where did I go that you led me to? Oh, there's, some, there's three or four places that I know that I know that I know that I know in the last 42 years God put me there. A few places. I wish I would ask myself, how is this going to affect my family before I made my decision? Questions like, how will this affect my family? How will this affect my health? It's a good question. Questions like, how will the the dynamics of my life change? How will the dynamics of my life change. See, I think we make a lot of decisions and we don't really, we don't really process it and think, you know, how's this? Yeah, it's, it's more money. It's another position. It's going to take me an hour and a half to get there, an hour and a half to get back. I've got little kids in school. How's this decision going to affect the dynamics of my life. Questions like, do my gifts, talents, and abilities, as well as my personality, make me a fit for this? See, just because somebody offered you the position doesn't mean that you fit that position. Doesn't mean you're going to excel in that position. It, it, you might be happy as you can be. All of a sudden, you get that new position with much more authority and much more uh, uh, stress for a couple extra bucks. Smart people do dumb things when they make decisions too quickly. 
Think about it this morning. Who We are who we are today. We are where we are today. And we are doing what we are doing today. All because of the decisions we have made in the past. So let me ask you this this morning, if we regret some of the decisions that we have made in our past, if we are not happy with our present, then maybe, just maybe, we need to take a little more time and be a little more careful with our decisions. Because who we become tomorrow and where we are tomorrow and what we are doing tomorrow, all of this is tied up in the decisions We are making today. It's okay? All right, notice the fourth thing that smart people often do that's really incredibly dumb. And that is when they get distracted from their main purpose. Now, I understand we talked about this last Sunday. Don't have to tell me, don't have to email me. We talked about this a little last Sunday, but it is so, so vitally important that it's worthy of some time spent on it again today. And there's some people here today that wasn't here last Sunday. (laughs) And most of the people that were here last Sunday, you didn't get it last Sunday anyway. (laughs) Proverbs 4, verse 25 through 27 says, look straight ahead. It says, fix your eyes on what lies before you. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet. It says, stay on a safe path. It says, don't get sidetracked. Here's what I've discovered. Most people who fail do so because of a lack of focus. Most people who fail, the reason they fail is a lack of focus. And what I've also discovered is that most people who succeed, they succeed because, because they remain focused on their target. They kept their eye on the ball, and they didn't take their eye off the ball until they hit it. Amen. Something else I've learned, and that is it might take a while to discover your purpose. I've already told you it did for me. I talk a lot about purpose. It's because it took me so long to define mine. And once I found my real true purpose, it just revolutionized my life and revolutionized my ministry. And so something that revolutionizes your life and your ministry and turns you around and helps you incredibly, you want to share that with everybody. You want to share it quite often. It might take a while to discover your purpose. It did for me. You might, be, you, you might bounce around a while before you discover it. I did. See, it might take the process of discovering what you're not in order to discover who you are. And it might take the process of discovering what you're not good at to help you discover what you are good at. Let me tell you two things. You're not good at everything. Let me tell you three things. You're not good at everything. Number two, you're pretty lousy at a lot of things. Let me tell you four things. Number three, you're pretty average at a bunch of things. Number four, there's one or two good, one or two things that you are just extravagant. You're just, that's not the word I'm looking for. You're just great at. 
I mean, you excel. You're better than average, man. I mean, you just excel. Amen. And what I've discovered is that God uses everything. He uses the good, the bad, and the ugly to help us discover which uh, piece of the puzzle that we are and just where we fit in this puzzle called life. But once we do discover our purpose, it would be wise on our part to remain in our purpose. We said last Sunday that detours will be offered to us quite frequently as we move along the road toward our goal. You see, the devil will make sure some glitter and some glamour and some sparkly things all will be dangled before our eyes all to try to distract us and get us off course and, and cause us to wander away from our God call purpose. And the devil knows that he's won a, an incredible victory if he can get us sidetracked and if he can just blur our vision even just a little. Well, you, you might say, well, well, Pastor, how do I know if I'm operating in my purpose? How do I know if I'm living in my purpose? Well, let me just quickly throw out a few things. Number one, if you're operating in your purpose, number one, you'll have a sense of fulfillment. You'll have a sense of fulfillment. Because we can only be fulfilled if we are doing what God placed us on planet earth to do. Now, I need, I need you to understand, I'm not saying that you're always going to be 100% fulfilled. Because we're man. We're, you know, we're, we're flawed. And I don't care who you are, what you do, you're not going to be fulfilled 100% of the time. But the way to find your purpose is to see what fulfills you the most. What do I do that I'm, when I do it, I'm fulfilled. I, I feel fulfilled. I feel satisfied. I feel worthwhile, I, you know. And then find a way to make somebody pay you to do that. Amen. If you love people, you know, you need to. You know, you need to sell cars, or you need to sell insurance, or you need to be around people, or you need to be in retail. You know, you need to be where people are. Hello? No, it's not rocket science. You know, if you like facts and figures, you know, and details, you know, you know, you need to be, you know, somebody's assistant, somebody's, you know, so you, so working for somebody that, you know, you take what they want and you make it happen. Hello? It's not rocket science. How do I know if I'm in my life's purpose or not? Well, first of all, you'll have a sense of fulfillment. Number two, you'll have some fruit. You'll have some fruit. If you're operating in, in, uh, in your purpose, there'll, there'll be some fruit. Um, you'll have a measure of success in that area. Amen? See, your best bet for success is to operate in your God-called purpose. And number three, there'll be a place open up for you. There'll be a place open up for you. Because God doesn't waste anything, does He? 
You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fishes, he, he fed them all, but he gathered up the fragments that nothing remained. God doesn't waste anything. He won't waste your gifts. He won't waste your talents. He won't waste your abilities. He has a place already picked out for you where your gifts, your talents, and your abilities can be used to maximum capacity. Now, I've been called a bulldog. See, you might think I'm offended at that. I'm not offended at that. It's okay. See, see, where God has placed me the past 40 years, a chihuahua couldn't get the job done. Chihuahua just still be nipping at the heels. Nip, 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 nip. Kind of glad God didn't call me to be a chihuahua. Here's something else I know. Bulldogs. Anybody have a bulldog at home? I got a bulldog? There's some. Yeah? Buddy, right? Buddy. And he's your buddy, isn't he, Jared? He's a bulldog. Let me ask you this, Jerry. Is he loving? Is he sweet? See, see, bulldogs can be very loving. Bulldogs can be very affectionate. They only attack when somebody's trying to hurt their master or steal their master's stuff. And that loving bulldog who's very loving will attack, but only when someone's coming after their master. Trying to steal their master's stuff. Let me just tell you that in 42 years of ministry, I can count on both hands how many people I've even growled at. And it's debatable, but I don't believe I've ever bitten anyone. Smart people do dumb things when they get distracted from their main purpose. Listen, if I try to be a chihuahua, I'm not going to do what God put me on planet Earth to do. So I've been a bulldog for nearly 60 years. I guess I'll just keep being a bulldog. The last thing I want to talk about today, and that is smart people do dumb things. I know I'm out of time, but I'm not out of preaching, and I've got to finish, all right? Smart people do dumb things when they discard all criticism. When they discard all criticism. Proverbs 10 and 17 says, People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. But those who ignore correction will go astray. Proverbs 13 and 18 says that if you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept criticism, you will be honored. Now, the truth of the matter is nobody likes to be criticized. Nobody likes to be criticized. And let me tell you, I'm going to put myself at the very top of the list. I, I do not like to be criticized. Um, 
When I'm criticized, I tend to get defensive. I think that makes me human. When I was a very young, uh, when I was very young in the ministry, I had an older, more experienced minister tell me that I had a very annoying habit in my preaching delivery. I was an evangelist. I was preaching every week. My wife and I would preach Sunday through Friday. On Saturday, we'd move our trailer. We'd set up somewhere else, have prayer meetings Saturday night, and start again week after week after week. I was preaching everywhere. Didn't have a problem getting a place. To, I've never had a problem getting a place to preach. And when that guy told me that I had a very annoying habit in my preaching delivery. Now, he said it very gently. He said it in love. He said it in order to help me. But it offended me. It offended me. It made me angry, and it hurt my feelings. And I said to myself, he's just jealous of me, and he's jealous of my superior speaking ability. <laughs> Truth is, I was the one preaching, and he was the one in the audience listening. The old coot. I wrote him off as an old coot and I decided to disregard his criticism. And I came to the conclusion that he probably had a critical spirit. And later I, I talked to my wife and I told my wife what the old coot had said to me. She said, honey, I've been trying to tell you that. For a long time, but you won't listen. So I went out and I bought myself a tape recorder and I started taping my sermons and I listened to myself preaching. Sure enough, there it was. I mean, there it was. Amen. Glory to God. God is good. <laughs> and may I say to you this morning that you people can thank my wife and that old coot because I finally listened and made a change in my preaching delivery. You'd think the sermons would be shorter with all, not all those us on the end, but now I actually have something to say, though. So maybe I put uh in there because I, I didn't know what I was going to say next. I don't know. I did it because that's the way most preachers preached back in the day. Amen? <laughs> Smart people do dumb things when they disregard all criticism. Now, 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 listen. Listen, not all criticism is valid. Listen to me very carefully this morning. We're going to wind this up, but I want you to hear this. This is, this is very important. It's pretty good. Not all criticism is valid. So let me give you three questions to ask yourself when you're being criticized. First of all, how many has ever been criticized? All right, every one of us have been criticized. So let me give you three things to ask yourself when you're being criticized. Number one, you need to ask the question, who is this coming from? Who is this coming from? Is this coming from somebody who possesses a critical spirit? 
Is this some, coming from someone who criticizes everyone and everything? Important question. What is their character? What is their It's amazing to me what people criticize in others, you know. That's just a little bitty thing. They got this big giant thing in their life. I want to say, really? Really? What is their character? What is their experience? What's their experience? Do they have any? Are they an armchair quarterback? Do they wear a t-shirt that says when you were not good enough to play, coach? <laughs> ask yourself, who is this criticism coming from? The second question you need to ask when you're being criticized is what are they saying? What are they saying? Have I heard this before? Have I heard this before? See, if I'd been listening to my wife, I would have recognized him that old coot, you know, which is really a, really a, a, a fine gentleman that helped me. But I would have, you know, oh, wow. Mm. Uh, uh, my wife said it. Now he said it. What are they saying? Have I heard this before? For the past 40 years, at least 35, I have operated my ministry on this philosophy. This is my philosophy. If a few people have a problem with me, if a few people have a problem with the way I do things, then it's their problem. It's their problem. If a lot of people have a problem with me and my ministry, it's my problem. It's my problem. So far, it's only been a few, thank God. Ask yourself, what are they saying? Have I heard this before? Is there any validity in what they are saying? Are other people saying the same thing? Third question you need to ask when being criticized is why? Why are they saying it? Do they have an agenda? Do they have an axe to grind? Is this a personal attack? See, sometimes it's about the issue, but sometimes it's personal. And they're just looking for something, anything. They say they're attacking the issue, but actually they have an axe to grind. And, and it's not really about the issue, it's about you. So ask yourself, why are they saying what they are saying? What's their motive? What's their motive? Do they love me? See, I I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I'm just going to tell you. The people that I allow to speak in my life most of the time are people that love me. Not very often do I let somebody just walk in off the street and speak into my life. I'll I'll listen. I'll take it. I'll judge it. I'll, you know, all that. Do they love me? Because you see, true friends will stab you in the front. I'm saying that again. True friends will stab you in the front, not in the back. 
I've said it for years. Very few people have taken me up on it. Two or three have. Three or four maybe at the most in the last 42 years. But I'll listen to anything. I'll listen to anybody. I'll listen to anything. As long as you come in, let me get you a cup of coffee, set you down in front of my desk, and be sweet and be civil and be kind. You can be as straight as you want. You can say anything you want. You can tell me I'm ugly. You can tell me you don't like me. You can tell me all the things I'm doing. If you do it in the right spirit, I'm not going to like it. But I'll allow it. You can have your day. You can have your time. But it's going to be done in love, and it's going to be done right. It's going to be done with the right spirit. And I'll take what you give me, and I'll pray over it, and I'll think about it, and I'll weigh it with all these questions that I've given you. It's, it's what I do. What I find most of the time is there's some validity. It may not be everything they say because, you know, first of all, when you're telling somebody something, you tend to put it in high gear. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to give somebody a little bit of, you know, grace in that area too that, you know, they probably didn't really mean it the way they said it and how they, you know what I'm saying? Do they love me? Do they have my best interest at heart? You see, the older pastor who criticized my preaching style had my best interest at heart. In fact, that's exactly what he told me. He said, young man, he said, for such a young man, and I was probably 21, 22 years old. He told me, he said, man, for a young man, you got good content, you know, and, and you're doing well, and you're doing good, you know, but this is this, this one area. I said, it's going to come back to bite you one of these days. It's, it's very annoying. You can't hear the good things you're saying because of it. The older, older pastor who criticized my preaching style had my best interest at heart. He, he was genuinely trying to help me in my ministry, and he did. Now, I'm not telling you to embrace all criticism. I'm telling you to consider all criticism. Did you hear that? I'm not telling you to embrace all criticism. I'm telling you to consider all criticism. Weigh it, ponder it, examine it. Ask yourself the three questions that I gave you. Who? Is this coming from? What are they saying? Why are they saying it? Smart people do dumb things when they discard all criticism. Could we get the worship team back in place, please? Very, very quickly. I'm way out of time, and I know that. I understand that. I'm not charging time and a half, so that's a good thing. So I said at the beginning of the message today, don't don't you wish we had two or three or maybe even a half dozen do-overs? Don't you wish you could go back to that moment of stupid? (laughs) Erase it. Do something different. Well, sorry, there are no do-overs. There are no do-overs in life, but we can learn from our past moments of stupid. And we can refuse to have that particular moment of stupid repeat itself. I'm not naive enough to think that I've arrived and I'll never have another moment of stupid. What I hope is I won't have any more moments of stupid like I've had in the past. Smart people do dumb things when they fail to learn from their past mistakes and failures. And the truth of the matter is this morning, failure is not a total failure if we learn something.
through the failure. Amen? Amen? Amen. Did you get something from this this morning? Is that all right? Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me in His presence this morning? Thank you, Father. Yeah, that was my asking you to clap this morning. You missed it right there. You just, you, oh, you're too late now. You just missed it, huh? Father, I thank you for the Word of God this morning, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you know my heart. God, there are things that I know that I'm aware of because after 11 and a half years, you know things. And you know my heart, and I would never say anything. I would never devise anything to try and say something to somebody or correct something or do something through a lesson or a sermon, Father. You know that I'm man enough to do it face to face. I just pray today, Father, that every one of us will hear the word of the Lord this morning. Father, we will, we will receive some things, Father. As I pray almost every single day, I ask you to help me to say some things in the message that resonate, that resonate in the heart of the people, where the people raise an eyebrow and say, how in the world did he know that? When I didn't know anything at all, but the Holy Spirit knew it. And the Holy Spirit, and I may not even have even been going to go down that trail, but the Holy Spirit led me there because I've asked him to. Help us to take your word today and apply it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe at the moment this morning, we're way over time, so I'm just going to do it right there in your seats today. What about that moment of stupid in your life? Are you about to make that same mistake again. The path you chose that led you in the wrong place to the wrong place. Do you find yourself back on that same road again? Heading in that same direction again? See what I've discovered, you know, I'm not the smartest fork in the drawer, but I've discovered that if I get on the same road and go in the same direction, I'm gonna get the same place. The only way I'm going to get to a different place is if I take another road and head another another direction. Are you back on that same road? Do you remember what the end of that road was? You remember what it led you to? And you're back on that road again? That's smart people doing some dumb things. Just take a moment this morning. I'm going I'm to shut up here in just a second, believe it or not. Just take a moment and just look at your life and look at the direction you're headed and look at the decisions that are faced you, you're faced with and look at all of those things. See if maybe you might need to find a place to turn around. Or take a left or right turn and go in a different direction. I'm going to give you just a moment just to contemplate that.
You know, as we were singing this morning, we were singing, I surrender. And the thought came to me, I don't surrender because I'm singing, I surrender. My life tells me whether I surrender or not. We sing a lot of songs we don't really mean. the Holy Spirit would say to you today how often have you heard this word how often have I tried to get your ear how often have I pulled and tugged at your heart how often have I tried to get your attention time 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 again and even today through the message, through the word today, I've tried to get your attention. I've tried to get your ear. But you've thrown it over your shoulder and you've said, that's for somebody else. Surely someone here today needs that. When will you heed? When will you hear? When will you listen? When will you respond? I hope it will be today. I believe that was a word for someone here this morning. Amen.